Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm Lenora. I'm the non-singing part of the many. <laughs> but see, we love and accept everyone, so <laughs> even us non-singers. Um, so you know, uh, we've got a lot of problems going on in the world right now. However, I just want to ignore all those for a second and talk about the big problem going on in my house these days. I think I'm gonna show you a picture of it right now. <laughs> yeah. This guy's name is Grayson. We got him when he was two months old. And you know, frankly, he couldn't be any cuter. More goofy, more loving, more feisty. He's adorable. And I have more pictures and videos to share with you later if you would like to see them. However, we also have two other cats, older cats, who have lived with us since they were kitties. And to them, guess what? Grayson is not adorable. <laughs> he is an intruder. He's a threat. He terrifies them. This guy terrifies them. And every time he gets too close, they hiss and growl and sound like they want to kill him. And I just, wanted, I just want everybody to know, in case you're wondering, we did exactly what the great cat literature said we were supposed to do, and we introduced Grayson very slowly into their lives, but it hasn't seemed to matter. Grayson is a disruption in the world they have so carefully constructed for themselves. And no matter how much we tell them he isn't a threat, he's not that different, he just wants to be friends, they don't seem to be listening. They look at us as if we have betrayed their trust, and they are so disappointed in us. Now this brings me to the story from the Bible that we just heard Darren read. This is a story known to a lot of people as the story of the Tower of Babel. And I don't know about you, but it is one of those stories that I heard growing up uh, from like Sunday school teachers and those kind of pulpit pounding preachers. Um, and maybe you did too. However, the way I always heard it told was the people of Earth were all together in one big happy city and feeling fine and thinking, you know, pretty highly of themselves. So much so that they built a monument to themselves, a tower that reached the heavens, one that said by its height and audacity that they were, you know, pretty much on a par with God or maybe, you know, even slightly higher than God. And when God saw this, God got mad, God came down and destroyed the tower, and God scattered all the people and made them speak different languages, have different cultures, as punishment for these people's sin and pride. Anybody else hear that story told that way? Yes. So, you know, that's the story that, uh, you know, the version that I had basically believed for, you know, 50 years or so. But then last year, I met this guy, Ted, who happens to be a big time Old Testament and Hebrew scholar, and he's one of the recognized experts on this scripture. So I got into a conversation with him about it, and he ended up telling me, in as nice a way as possible, that I had the story all wrong. <laughs> all that stuff about trying to be like God, that was an interpretation, a popular one, one that you probably still could hear all kinds of places, but that was not specifically stated in the story. So it made me go back and read that scripture again with fresh eyes. 
And what jumped out at me when I read it again was a feeling that I'm all too familiar with, fear. The people in that city were afraid, afraid of getting scattered, of having the world expand beyond their clan and tribe and family. They basically just wanted to sit on the couch with people who looked like them, smelled like them, talked like them, liked the same kinds of food, and only argued about whose turn it was to take out the garbage. I get that. I like that, too. And their Tower of Babel, though, it really wasn't so much a symbol of their pride run amok. It was not about pride. It was a fortress against fear and change. It was actually like this giant monument to the comfort of sameness. And I get that, too. My cats even get that. <laughs> Different can be so scary. It's so scary. <laughs> then Ted, the big time Bible scholar, suggested to me that the whole point of the story is that God scattering these folks and sending them packing wasn't a punishment. It was actually meant to be a reset a setting back on course. It was a return to the vision that God had in mind for the, for the world from the very first chapter of Genesis when God created humans to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, which God actually reiterated to Noah again after the flood. He said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So yeah, a reset. God was trying to show these folks that their whole let's build a tower and enjoy our homogeneity idea, as appealing as that might seem in the moment, wasn't going to be so good in the long run. Okay, so then I'm thinking about the Tower of Babel and suddenly what came to mind was one of my favorite childhood toys. And no, it wasn't the Erector set I always wanted but never got. And I'm almost over it, really. <laughs> no, rather, it was this, my mom's button jar. Anybody else have a mom with a button jar or a button box? Yeah. So I got to tell you, I love this button jar. It seems so beautiful to me, all the different buttons, like hardly any of them the same, so many colors and shapes. Some were like even tortoise shells. There were things called toggles in there. And there were even those that looked, I don't know if you remember these, but they looked kind of like a ring with sort of an oversized diamondish kind of stone embedded in them, which I later found out were called shank buttons, possibly because you could stab someone with them. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> but let me tell you, I was into those buttons. And sometimes when I'd lose a button, like on a shirt or a skirt or something, my mom would send me to find a button to replace it from the button jar. And I'd come back to her and, you know, my choices were often quite creative. And each time I did, my mom said to me, oh no, Lenora, buttons are supposed to match. She told me buttons were supposed to fit in, not stand out. They were supposed to all look alike. Now after a while, it started to dawn on me. This wasn't a jar of beautiful, wondrous, exotic masterpieces. 
This was a jar of rejects, of misfits, of things that were too big or too small or not the right shape or not the right color, too girly or not girly enough, too bright or too weird or too original or too crazy looking, too much. I learned from my mom and that button jar just how important it was to be the same. Now, of course, it wasn't only my mom that I got that message from. The message that sameness is next to godliness is everywhere. We get it loud and clear in all kinds of places and from all kinds of people, from advertising to political speeches. Sometimes we even get it from preachers. And some of us, I don't know about you, I can speak for myself here, some of us end up trying to hide what makes us different. Can I get an amen? And we also end up trying to keep others who are too different from us as far away as possible. We keep building our towers of Babel, though mostly these days they look like walls. And because we're so different, humans are, we're so scared of different, humans are currently building walls at a rate unequaled in history. And I gotta tell you, those are just the ones we can see. There are others, the invisible walls that run through our cities and through our lives, separating us from people who don't look like us, act like us, have the same pronouns as us, pray like us, think like us, believe like us. So how can we change this? I mean, that's the big question, right? I think Jesus' answer can be found in Matthew 22. It seems like Jesus is putting into words again what God's plan was for us humans from the beginning. Jesus says, this is the most important thing for you to do. Love God wholly and completely and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God, the God whose plan from the beginning was more differences, more variety, a bigger, more inclusive vision for humanity. Then love your own dear, sweet, weird self wholly and completely. Do not fear what makes you different. And as you do that, you might also be able to love your neighbor too. Their dear, sweet weirdness, their unsameness. Now, of course, the thing about Jesus was he told us to do this. He told us this is God's big plan, but he never promised it would be easy. It has never been easy for any of us humans on this planet, even for cats, as it turns out. <laughs> but I'm coming to believe it is God's greatest hope and sweetest vision for us. And yes, it will take courage and love that is greater than our fear. I'm also coming to believe it's our life's work. It's why we're here on this planet and it's hard work, but I'm holding on to hope that it will be worth it. Because, look at this button jar. It's just so beautiful, isn't it? And look around, 
Look around at each other right now. All of us together in this place. Beautiful. Beautiful. Amen.